Hi, everyone, and welcome to the third ever Socks in the City podcast. I'm Sam. I'm Will. And today we'll be go- going over Keith Law's Red Sox prospect list and his ranking of the Red Sox farm system as a whole. Will has not seen the top 20 Red Sox prospects list, so he's blind reacting. I'm going to do groups of five to make it a little bit easier. Will, are you ready for this? I'm, I'm ready and a little bit scared. Well, I, I'm really excited because there's only one thing that you know, and it's about one of your favorite prospects in the entire system. Yeah. On Twitter, it kind of blew up a little bit because people were mad about this ranking. So I, I saw that initial thing that made me kind of mad, but I'm, I'm excited to see how the rest of the list kind of stacks up. Will, you're you're a big Luis Perales guy. I am. I'm a big Luis Perales guy. Not top 20. That's the only thing I think you know about the list. Yeah, that's that's upsetting to hear. Okay. I there's one thing in here that I think is almost more egregious. Actually, there's two things that I think are more egregious. And I think that's absurd because uh, Luis Perales not being top 20 is very egregious. But holy cow, this list is... Oh, you know what? There might be... Holy cow, okay. This list is really bad. I'm just going to get right into it. So the five, the top five are not weird. It's a normal top five. You have... Uh, well, the, the, the players in the group are, weird, are not weird. Okay, yeah. hold up. Let me redo that. <laughs> okay. The top five, the players in the top five, not weird. The order they're in is a little odd. Okay, number one, Marcelo Meyer, to be expected. Most, 99 probably percent of lists have Meyer first. Two, Sedan Raffaella. Um, You knew that. You you knew he was above Cassis because he was ahead of him on the top 100 list that Keith Law made. But initial reaction on having Raffaella over Cassis. Again, that's just it's ridiculous to put a guy who's yet to hit at like Casas is coming into the season. Maybe he's not. He's a first baseman, so he's obviously obviously has that limit. But Casas is a really good hitter and a really great prospect. Saying Rafael is going to be there just because he's better defensively is a, that's a little bit rough. I, okay, one thing I didn't think about: if you have Rafael above Casas, is your ceiling for Rafael Mookie Betts? Is that what you think he could be? I don't think he could be that. But if you're putting him above Cassis, I think that's what you are putting him at as his ceiling. I it's such a confusing ranking just at, at number two. <laughs> it's it's absurd. It's absurd to have those two things because you got Casas, completely a better hitter, just inarguably a better hitter. Oh, I love hitter. Yeah, Rafaela. Better defensively, just because he can he can play different. But he's not going to just be stuck at first base. So, is what he's saying is that Rafael's defense is so good that it's going to surpass the fact that he, as of right now, is not that great of a hitter, and also as of right and like that Casas, his level of like, do you really think Rafael is going to get to the level of defense and the level of hitting to match Casas? Because that's a that's a pretty tall order, and okay. I just haven't one, seen it from Rafaela yet. One thing that I, I want to clarify really quick, Rafaela has hit in double A. We're we not doubting that he can hit home runs, he can hit the doubles, and he can play spectacular defense. The plate approach, if he does that plate approach in MLB, he would be exposed very quickly. It's just he, he has the ability to hit and clearly can hit. It's, can it translate to the big leagues? And we neither of us think it can. Yeah, and the whole thing about Rafael is that he just, in terms of his frame and his power, he doesn't have the Rafi Devers power where he can just 
He can swing at a ball outside the, outside of the zone and take it deep for a home run. Rafael is just doesn't have that kind of power because of his frame. So there is that kind of cap on him hitting-wise that I don't think Casas really has in terms of power. And it's just it's absurd to value defense that highly. But I mean, Keith Law, I, I guess you think he's going to become Mookie Betts, which I would personally enjoy, but I don't really see that being likely. No. I, I Look, I'm, I really like Rafaela. I think he could be a Kike Hernandez-type player with an extremely good defense and okay bat. Maybe his bat can progress past that, but I, just to rank him over Cass, and Cassis also is three. He's ranked third. He doesn't fall the, below that, I mean, which would have been even more absurd. Yeah. Um, four, no surprise, Miguel Blaze. Yeah. That made, that made I, sense. I, we we probably would both have Blaze above Rafaela in our personal rankings. I mean, I, I certainly would. I, I think you would as well. Yeah, I, I would. I like Rafael again is it's just that defense is really the most incredible thing. But but Blaise has the the type of player who I think can not only be one of the top prospects in the Red Sox system, but just a top prospect in baseball overall over the next year. So I would definitely put him over Rafaela. And then five is not Nick York, but Brian Mata. Brian Mata. I like Mata. That's a I don't understand how you can say Mata is five and then say our pitching is bad. I mean, I guess he's saying Mata is a relief pitcher at that point, but then at, again, why would you have him that high if you think he's a relief pitcher? So that just does not make a lot of sense to me. The first reliever is 20. So he, he clearly doesn't think of him as a reliever, but also the pitching is poor. I, I, I don't know. Okay. There, there's your top five. Right. <laughs> there's your top five. Marcelo Mayo, Sedan Rafaela, Tristan Casas, Miguel Blaise, Brian Mata. Okay. <laughs> rough start, right. rough start. Oh, yeah. Six, Nick York. Probably no surprises there. Yeah. Seven, Mikey Romero. Okay. Um, I mean, he's he's pretty new to the system. Uh, I guess if you see the potential there, but still a little high for a guy who hasn't really played much in, in this kind of professional baseball level. So that's an to, interesting to be fair. To be fair, I think Sox prospects also has him like seven or eight. So I, I it's fine. We'll see how he, how he handles full ball, full season ball. Yeah. Eight, Matt Lugo. That's, I, I do not expect I did not expect to be hearing that name that highly, kind of honestly, if at all, in his rankings. That's that's just a really interesting choice. What, does he give a reasoning as to why Lugo is so high? Yes. Keith Law writes, Lugo was my sleeper prospect for the Red Sox last year and had a solid step forward with a 492 slug last year with a, a moving up a level to high A. He's still mostly playing shortstop, but third base is much more likely, even before considering the presence of Meyer and Romero in the system. But I think he looks like a regular who hits 20 homers and OBP in the low 300 thanks to a 7-8 walk percent rate to date. That's it's, – it's, it's I think it's a personal bias out of Keith Law here. I think he picked this – I think he picked Lugo as a sleeper. And then Lugo didn't really disprove that, so he's kind of like, okay, I guess this guy's really a lot better than the other guys around him. But I just can't reasonably put him that high. Uh, there's guys like Edison Polino, Roman Anthony – and of course, Perales are all guys I think should definitely be higher. It's and Brandon Walter as well should be higher. I don't understand why he's kind of falling, but it's it's a very interesting choice and it feels kind of more of a bias of 
oh, I really like this prospect. So I'll, I'll give him a pass on it. It's it's a little high, though. Yeah. Well, good news. Number nine, Brandon Walter. Okay. There we go. <laughs> um, I, I, what do you think about Brandon Walter? Uh, I think it goes back to kind of what Ed talked to us on the show, how he has sort of the mentality and he has kind of the the ability to be a good pitch at the next level. I think I think he's going to get a chance this year. I think it I basically I think it could look a lot kind of like Bayo's start where it was kind of a rough start initially and then he kind of figures it out. I think Brandon Walter could kind of have the same thing. Uh, I th- I think he's going to get some of those spot starts that we kind of saw Cutter Crawford, Rich Hill and Seabold those guys get. And I think he I think he is a pretty solid pitcher and I again I don't understand how you have Walter and um, Mata so high and rate the kind of general prospects of the Red Sox so low if you kind of have that hit on them being their pitching because they're, those are two pretty solid guys in pros as well. So I think Brandon Walter is kind of a – I think he could probably end up higher pretty soon. I will note that in his bio he does say that he has a chance to be a back-end starter as a finesse lefty but more likely to end up as a reliever. If you think that he's more likely to end up as a reliever, why are you ranking him ninth? That's what I don't get is with Mata and Walter, it kind of sounds like he thinks they're relievers in terms of like he ranked the Red Sox system so low because they didn't have the pitching. And then you say Brian Mata and Brian Walter are those pitchers, but then the knock is, oh, I think they're going to be a reliever. Well, if they're going to be a reliever, why are they ranked so highly? That just, it just doesn't make sense to me. It makes no sense. Um, and then going back to no sense, 10 is Blaze Jordan. Um, what do you think about that one, Will? Same thing. That's that's high for Blaze Jordan. Uh, fun guy, fun prospect. I, I feel like this might be a little bit of a – he saw Blaze Jordan's YouTube. He saw, saw some clip from Blaze, <laughs> saw that deep home run, that super deep hit, and he thought, okay, this guy's this guy coming up next. So – I don't know. I just feel like he hasn't really delved into plays Jordan that deeply. Yeah, he's he he's never seen double A. He's <laughs> he's struggled against spin and off speed. I, what? I, I I don't I don't understand this one. Um, maybe it's just my bias I, I, against you know corner infielders. I don't understand ranking Blaze Jordan tenth. I think that there's probably. A, four or five guys that I rank above him. He might not even be the first. He might not even be the second highest corner infielder left after Casas. Yeah, that's that's another weird thing is the Casas, the knock on Casas that he's he's a first baseman. And he's going to have that limit. But then Blaze Jordan is also going to have that same limit where he's not going to be able to play the middle infield. So if you're going to have Casas lower, sure, but you got to have Blaze Jordan as well lower because he's going to have the same knock. But if you if you're gonna knock them both, the bat for Casas is just how are you gonna rank Rafaela ahead of Casas because of the middle infield? And then Blaze Jordan ten, and the, uh, oh my god, okay, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I don't I don't get this list at it all. It does man. not make sense. All right, eleven Chris Murphy, another another pitcher. Like again, it just kind of goes back to. We don't have the pitchers, I guess, but then another guy who is a potential starter, probably going to be a relief guy, maybe a multi-any relief guy. 
it just doesn't really make sense to me about like I don't hate where this guy's ranked in terms of everything else. It's just a bit weird. It doesn't really make sense where having these guys ranked this highly and then kind of knocking the same team for not having the pitching prospects. Yeah. Uh, 12, Roman Anthony. I'd probably have, again, Roman Anthony hasn't really his pro debut. Again, pretty recent. So I can under, I can understand maybe being a little bit more hesitant to rank this guy highly. I would probably put him higher. I don't I don't think it's terrible having not really seen much out of him. I I saw him in rookie ball. Um, not super impressed. I think he I think he can play pretty solid corner outfield defense, but I just don't I don't believe in the bat right now. Maybe he can develop it, but I I personally wouldn't have him top fifteen. I, I understand why someone else went though. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the I think sub, it's a fair ranking. The the sub two hundred average in Salem is again small sample size, but it well, it did not that brief period in Salem did not look good. And I th- I think he'll have the potential to bounce back. It's just a little bit scary. He played in Salem? He played he only had about forty at bats, but it just yeah. Sub 200 average, sub 300 on base percentage, sub 300 slugging. Huh. It was, I, really don't, I, I don't remember him playing there at all. That's why. That's it's a pretty forgettable experience. So hopefully he can <laughs> sort of bounce back. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, again, uh, he is a very fresh, he's kind of just out of high school. So I think oh, yeah, no, absolutely. bounce back. Yeah. Uh, 13, Edinson Paulino. Yeah, so Polino's one of the guys I would have had. I think I would have had a little bit higher. Like, I, li- I like Edison Polino. He needs to grow a little bit. He needs to get a little bit bigger. But, yeah, it's not not a terrible ranking for him. I would have had him higher, but kind of is what it is. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure on this one. He had an 827 OPS, but you got to remember, Salem, it's a pitcher's park. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. if, you, if you put him in another park, he probably has around 900 OPS. And he also played solid defense at everywhere. I mean, even Keith Law ranks him or lists him as being all. He doesn't give him a position, which is kind of funny. Yeah. I just I, I don't understand this, especially if you're going to knock the pitching. Uh, why would you say that the hitting is just? I don't understand this ranking. I would yeah. either have him higher or lower. I, I don't understand him at thirteen. Yeah, you got you kind of got to pick with him what you're what you're looking at and what you want to see. Like I, I like him. I like he has he has some power. His the chance to really have that position versatility. He kind of reminds me a little bit of I kind of similar things about kind of Emmanuel Valdez, where you hear sort of he's kind of like a I guess better defense Emmanuel Valdez, if if that makes any sense, where he can play a bunch of different positions, except for this time he's actually going to be a lot better at those positions yeah. than Valdez. But he does have some sneaky power, even though he's not big or one of those yeah natural ton of power type guys. Yeah, I'm not sure how much the power will translate, but the defense, the, the positional versatility is definitely there. And I think the plate approach is pretty solid, um, especially considering he's only 20. I, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of Paulino. I would personally have him higher. I just, uh, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't, what I don't get I, is if you're going to have Edison Paulino be here, like it's weird because I want to see where he ranks, kind of actually ranks Emmanuel Valdez because he's very, very similar as a prospect. In terms of being like 
if you just look at the Sox prospects rankings of those two guys, Esen Polino is a potential average hit tool against right-handers and below average against lefties. Valdez, average hit tool against right-handed pitchers, below average against lefties. So I'm interested to see kind of where they rank those two guys and because they, they seem like Esen Polino, I think, is better than Valdez as a prospect just because he has that defense. But they're they're very similar, I think, and I want to kind of see what Keith Law does with those two. All right. I'll give you a little spoiler. Emmanuel Valdez does not make the top 20. Okay. Yeah, that's that seems a little bit ridiculous. Like, But it gets even better. Emmanuel Valdez does not make the honorable mentions even. I think he might have forgotten about Emmanuel Valdez. I think he'd look at the preseason rankings or something. Because, yeah, I don't understand how you take – Emmanuel Valdez, he's probably going to be DHing and maybe even playing a little second base depending on how spring training goes for the Red Sox. So I don't understand how you don't include him in the list at all unless you completely forget about him as a player because he is going to be, I think, one of the guys we're going to actually see at the MLB level this year. And I think he could be pretty good against righties, to be honest. I did hear that Manuel Valdez is getting looks at the Red Sox shortstop. At shortstop? That's even more. That's... I, I'm surprised to bring a shortstop just because with the. No, I'm I'm, I'm kidding. That's total. <laughs> okay, I, I was, was a little worried. I, I was mean, like, what? that that report is just absurd. I mean, I I know Boston Strong has gotten a few things right, but come on. Yeah, you can't you can't be saying okay. I think we want to put this guy who struggled like they've moved him around because he just can't really play where like well anywhere. He can't play second. And you're gonna say let's put him at shortstop. Oh, maybe let's do that in the year that it gets significantly harder to play defense as shortstop because of the banning the shift. So that's let's keep Emmanuel Valdez away. I, I like him at the DA's position. Maybe second? Like I would yeah. maybe put him at second no. the story. Uh, but... There is no change if with the how hard the Red Sox have pushed to improve the infield defense, there is no chance that they're playing Emmanuel Valdez at second. There's a better chance that they play him at first. Yeah, I mean I, I mean the only, the only way I can see him playing sort of the middle infield is perhaps if you have injuries, if Mondesi gets injured, if you have Story still injured, he may get some looks at there just because, I mean, if his bat kind of, if he shows okay. that he can produce with his bat, he might get looks, but they definitely do not want him playing in the middle infield right now. The problem is that there's just too many lefties. I mean, with Cassis, Devers, and Yoshida, and Verdugo, where are you going to have Valdez in the lineup, even if there are injuries? He's just – he just – I like him a lot as a – I like I like him. He's kind of had it. I think he has a chance to take another step forward like he did last year. Like he, he had a career year before getting traded to the Red Sox. The fit just isn't really there. He's, he's kind of this platoon utility guy, doesn't play great defense, kind of only really average against righties. So it'll be interesting to see where he kind of ends up with the Red Sox. I think that he's a sneaky trade candidate. I, I, I out of everyone on the forty man, he kind of makes the most sense because there's just like I said, too many lefties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think so. I think he kind of had that like he kind of fit well with the Red Sox before all the free agent moves, and they've kind of made him irrelevant. So. Yeah, I could see him being traded. I could definitely see him being shopped around a, li- a bit, especially if he continues to to hit well as for that triple A level. It's just it's a weird fit. I think he'll get he'll definitely get looks in spring training. We'll see where he ends up, but he's just it's hard to be a utility player 
who doesn't really play good defense. So we'll we'll see what happens with them. Yeah. All right, back to the list. Number 14, Briner Bonacy. Again, that's that's an interesting ranking. Like Bonacy is he's good, but it's just like I think I think fifth like it kind of makes sense to where he was ranked. He's kind of similar to where Sox prospects ranked him. It's just kind of a weird way for him to get there. It's just yeah, it just feels weird. I'm I'm probably the high man on Bonacy. I really do like him. I really like his approach. Uh, anyone who walks as much as he does is just you know always going to be a personal favorite because because of the way that I'm wired. But uh, I just don't understand the ranking. If if you're gonna have if you're gonna be the high man on Bonacy, put him higher. I, I don't understand having but 14. I don't understand having got, I don't understand how you're going to say that the pitching is so bad and then rank Brian Bonasi this low because the pitching is above him. I don't understand it. Yeah, it doesn't really make sense. Like, again, like, it's it's not like if you if you told me, okay, we're going to put Benacci at 15, I would say, okay, sure. But the way that Keith Osterf is doing his ranking, it's just kind of a, a very weird, like, he should have him higher or he should have him lower. He just very, very weird out of Keith Law on this one. Yeah. Uh, then 15, you have Wickelman Gonzalez. Sure. Like, it's just kind of – it doesn't really make sense what he's doing with the pitchers. I think that Wickelman Gonzalez is kind of like – again, he could possibly start, could be in the bullpen. I think I would honestly – put him higher if I was Keith Law just because he he seems like one of those guys who's going to be more focused on being a starting pitcher so it's just it's it's weird to have him this kind of low if you really value him being a starter but then if you kind of view him as the okay maybe a starter maybe a relief pitcher the other guys being so high doesn't really make sense either yeah it's another one that just it doesn't make sense when you add in the the Red Sox ranking 23rd as a form as a whole I don't get it yeah but here is where it gets very fun. Okay. Um, so I talk about how Luis Pros being off the top 20 is a top three of the most egregious part of this list. That's, yeah, it's no, pretty bad. This might be worse. Number okay. 16, Gilberto Jimenez. That's That's crazy. That's, I think, maybe if you told me, Two years ago, that Gilberto Jimenez, that then maybe you could have seen him this list, but he just he's he's been having a rough time. Like, he, <laughs> I don't even like I don't even know if he can make the majors. Like his development has kind of stagnated. It's kind of stopped. I, like he used to be that kind of center fielder of the future, but I just don't really see him even making the majors. So that's kind of absurd to have him this high. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I. I He's ranked 39th on Sox prospects and 16th in Keith Law's rankings. That kind of discrepancy is just someone didn't do their homework, and I know Sox prospects did. Yeah. I, I, th- that's bad. That's really, really bad. Yeah, I just do not like saying that. And then 17, Cutter Coffee. Again, like one of the one of the newer guys, like sh- sure, it's a little bit higher than I would put him, just because I haven't really again seen a lot of him. It's kind of a again weird fit there. 
Yeah, I saw him in rookie ball. Wasn't really that impressive. We'll see if he develops over the offseason. Uh, mm-hmm. He's 19. Yeah. We, we really don't know yet. I mean, there's just such a wide range of what he could be and just a couple at-bats that I saw him in, in Fort Myers was not worth really that much. Yeah. 18, Nathan Hickey. <laughs> oh, okay. I, that's... I, again, like... I, he matches exactly same ranking as the Sox prospects ranking. I don't know how we kind of got there. Like, I guess it's, I don't really have much to say about Nathan Nicky. I think that's probably fine with the ranking. It's just very weird to have like a guy again, if you can value Raphael's defense so highly. The Nathan Hickey's defense is kind of sketchy. Like, you're not sure if he can even become a catcher. And it's kind of his his hit tool is really not even his hit tool, but just his hitting ability is is sort of what's going to bring him up. And hopefully his catching ability as well gets there. So having him that highly, if you're going to value defense that highly, is a little bit interesting of a choice there. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I'm probably one of the higher people on Nathan Hickey. I really like the bat. I think it's legitimate, um, especially because you don't see too many lefty power catchers yeah. <laughs> it's just not a profile that you see in MLB or in baseball in general that often I really think that he's something to watch uh I haven't personally top 15 but I definitely understand if you don't think that he could stick behind the plate and you don't think that the bat can carry him having him 18 sure um number 19 is a name that I don't recognize it's N-I-C-O Cabadas do you know this guy Huh. I it could be one of those things where he's just he's gonna try to start a nickname that's a little bit easier for him. But yeah, come on, at least do the research and get the names right. I, how how embarrassing he has since edited it. How do you make? How are you being paid to write for the athletic and can't get a prospect's name right? I understand it's not a top ten guy in the farm. But spell the man's name right. I mean, he was one of the biggest, most hot like hitters of the entire MILB league. What are you yeah. doing? Cavada's got it's... he got a lot of hype and got a lot of praise this year. And he was kind of one of those guys that people that people really liked. I mean, obviously there is some limitations to his game. He's he's slow. He's 24 already. Like, obviously there's some issues there, but come on, you got at least no, I'd say he's one of the names from this kind of year. If, if you covered the Red Sox at all, you'd probably know Nico Cavadas. And he really should have known Nico Cavadas if he was doing his research on the Red Sox. It's just, it's, I think that this is the most egregious thing on the list because that's embarrassing. I, it's incredibly disrespectful. I, I, yeah. I just, I mean, and it goes to show that you don't know what you're talking about. I, everyone who is on Red Sox Twitter can spell his name correctly because he was huge. He was one of the biggest Red Sox minor league names in the entire year. I just, it's embarrassing. And it, like I said, it makes it seem like he doesn't know what he's talking about. Like, that's the thing is, is kind of, if it was just one error on the list, if you had just that, kind of everything else, you'd, you'd clearly done his research. It's kind of a forgivable thing, but it's just kind of like a, kind of, it's kind of just a lack of respect for these guys who are, who are really working hard. They're, putting up great seasons they're working hard to get up in these levels even if they don't succeed like at, at the very least show them enough respect to do a little bit of research on them and at least get their name right yeah i, I mean 
I, I, I cannot say enough about how terrible that is just on, on so many levels. Mm-hmm. Um, but moving on, number 20, Shane Drohan. Uh, sure. That's, that's yeah. fine. Another, another pitcher there again, kind of, I don't know. He's kind of, the, again, the same thing, potential backend starter, possible depth guy. I, I yeah. would, but there's a lot of other guys that would put higher, honestly, like having that guy. I'm, I, I just can't believe you're going to put that guy over Luis Perales or even I'm, I'm a little bit high on Jettickson Paez, but I honestly think, or Paez, I don't know how to pronounce his last name yet. But yeah, I think, I think like it's, it's weird to say we don't have like all our pitchers are bad and then only kind of, it's, 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 he's kind of putting all of our pitchers into the relief pitchers because there is a lot of like players like Mata, Perales, Pies who could potentially become these really good starters. And you're just kind of ignoring them and then saying, okay, they don't have good pitching because a lot of their pitchers m- might end up in a relief role, which is a very weird critique, I guess. But it's it's absurd to have like this whole farm system ranking where you talk about how the Red Sox don't have any starters, then rank Brian Mata fifth. Yeah, and then having okay. you, you having him there, you're having like Brandon, like Walter as well, you're having him top ten. Like it's just, I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand what he's kind of the critique of the pitching. Like I would understand if he was critiquing the pitching as the Red Sox have pitching prospects. However, the, the guys that are in the sort of high level ball, Triple A, they may not even be starters. And the guys in Low A are again, they're a long way from the majors. That's a legitimate critique. To just say we don't have pitching is, and then sort of describe what our pitching is and then kind of ignore really just to ignore the 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 best raw arm in our entire prospect system is Luis Perales and you're not going to include him like that's just a absolutely ridiculous to say that we don't have pitching and then kind of just really dismiss all the pitching we have just kind of haphazardly I guess yeah I I don't get it I think that this is just pretty terrible um I I will say Luis Perales is in the others of note category, which, oh, I mean, just absurd. That's, you're you're the high person on Perales. Do you want to give a little bit about that? Luis Perales as a prospect, like I really fell in love with him because I saw his like. There's one picture that or video somebody posted on Twitter of him kind of like normally you kind of these days you see a picture you see him inside they got all the turf stuff and they're in the kind of the lab there. Perales, he was outside. He's kind of in the middle of nowhere. It's kind of like a, a dirt mound and stuff. And I, from there on, the more I learned about him, the sort of more I liked him. And he's, he may be sort of in the, the beginning of his career as a professional baseball player. But what we've seen so far is pretty electric. Like his his fastball, is topped out at ninety nine. He's kind of he still has the potential to get stronger. Like he could be throwing legit heat in the majors, and his sort of pitch mix is really really nice right now. I don't like he again. He's at the very beginning of his career. He still has a lot of things to do. The Red Sox kind of limited where he was in terms of innings. Like he didn't pitch full. Like he's he's not pitched a full season yet at a major league level. And so obviously we need to see that. But yeah, like he he was the kind of the best pitcher in the FCL, and he has just the best arm, raw arm of anyone in our prospect system. 
to put him as an honorable mention, honestly, might be worse than just not including him at all because it shows that you you saw him and then you decided that he does not deserve a top 20 spot, which is absolutely crazy. I think Prowse is really going to prove Keith Law wrong this season. I think he's going to, again, just show out, show out that the fact that he is one of the more talented pitchers in the FC, or at least he was in the FCL, but he was the, one of the more talented pitchers. Kind of has pro- in terms of prospects, how prospects go, he's kind of up there. And I think he's going to really prove Keith Law wrong this season. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Like you said, he's he's actually touching 100. Yeah, I, 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 to be to be 19 and touching 100 is insane. Yeah, he's 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 hitting 100 and he still has room to grow. Like he has the potential to be a guy like the the Hunter Green type player where he's throwing like 99, 100 as a starter. Hopefully, like when he pitches more innings, that kind of keeps up. But it's just kind of ridiculous to to leave him out. Um, one other thing, he has a a plus curveball again, age 19, and he has a 100 mile an hour fastball and a plus curveball. And it just to have those two pitches, if you had one of those at age 19, you would be the top 20 prospect in whatever farm that you're in, unless you're in like the Dodgers or the Orioles. That just does not happen that much. To have two of them, you're a top 10 prospect in in almost any farm system. I mean, I just to not include him in the top 20 is obscene. He was probably the best pitcher in the entire FCL last year, and he never saw the fourth inning. Because the Red Sox wouldn't let him. I mean, I just, I I don't get it at all. Like, the thing is, every single one of his pitches, fastball, curveball, changeup, people miss those pitches. Batters miss those pitches. Every single one. Even his changeup, which is his worst pitch, he still flashes. Like, it's a little bit inconsistent, but he still flashes the ability to strike out batters with it. Like, it's, it's insane to sort of have a guy who's, despite really not pitching that much because the Red Sox wouldn't let him, and he's still jumping up in the in the system, and he's still one of the top guys. Should not include him. It's just kind of like I, I do not understand it. Like it's you can't critique the Red Sox; they don't have pitching, and then kind of ignore this guy who is a really phenomenal pitching prospect. Yeah, I, I that's really poor. Again, I, I don't know if it's the worst thing of this article, which is it's an insane statement <laughs> and like the caveat here obviously is that keith law has to cover every single team in the mlb which is a herculean task it's like kind of ed hand was sort of talking about it where he was saying i res- i don't agree with the rankings but i respect the attempt and, and i do respect the attempt he did attempt to make a list which is really really hard to do but this is just like I, it's I, it's, it should be a message to the athletic and anyone else trying to cover that you just can't. This can't be done effectively. I, I would rather they just do one from every like beat reporter, like they do with the Chad Jennings writing in certain articles where he just does Red Sox stuff and they have one from everyone. I think that that works better. This is just if you're going to produce something this low quality, don't do it at all. Yeah, just it, and honestly, like that's the the problem is that I've sort of found with this is people take sort of this as sort of, oh, this is the truth. And then they use it to critique other people. Like one thing I I noticed uh, was from sort of NBC Sports Boston. And basically what what happened was the whole article was a critique on Haim for not having a good prospect system. But he's, the entire point of the article is that, well, look, this ranking ranked the Red Sox at 22, which, and then he said, okay, Heim clearly has done a bad job because he was supposed to rebuild the pro- prospect system and look how bad they are. 
what he completely ignores is that that's not the only ranking. Kyle McDaniel ranks them higher. The fan graphs rank the Red Sox as, as the ninth most valuable prospects, like a farm system. It's just it's just very weird to sort of publish that article, make it seem like a legit article, and other people do things about it. And that's just a little bit problematic. But we're going to head back to the 23rd ranking of the Red Sox farm system as a whole. Once we Now that we've seen his top 20 ranking, it kind of makes even less sense. As you mentioned, having Brian Mata, Brandon Walter, and Chris Murphy within his top 11, just it makes no sense. Why? How are you going to say that those are top, top 11 prospects, three of them are starters as of right now, but the farm is completely decrepit and doesn't have any starting, starting prospects at all? I don't understand it at all. Yeah, because I think Mott is the type of guy who's going to be – he's going to be pitching for the Red Sox this year, more likely than not, just because of injuries and all that kind of thing. So to, to say that we don't have pitching but then list our pitching out is a very, very weird statement. And just kind of, again, things slip through the cracks if, you, if you're covering all the teams. And that really feels like – I don't know. I feel like he kind of looked at the Red Sox and, and ranked, them, ranked them low because he didn't really see guys that jump out at him. Because, again, there's no there's no like – I don't know, Yuri Perez or Grayson Rodriguez type players in the Red Sox systems in terms of, of pitching prospects. But there there clearly is some solid pitching guys and guys who could potentially be starters for the Red Sox this season and pretty much in the near future, as well as guys with a ton of talent who could break out and become really good prospects in the future. Yeah, I do want to get a little into the minutia of this because it did, it did piss me off. I'm not going to lie. I was upset reading this. So when Heim Bloom took over in 2020 or 2019, you know, whatever, um, the farm system was terrible. <laughs> There's really no nice way to put it. Michael Chavis and Darwinson Hernandez was were the one-two punch on the Red Sox prospects. I mean, pretty bad. Durbin yeah. Feltman, a guy who was always going to be a reliever and was ne- never had a chance to start. I, I mean, that was never going to be a realistic start, was ranked ninth. I mean, we don't even have our relievers. In, they're the, what, top 20? I mean, yeah. you're, you're not cracking the top 20 as a reliever in this farm system, even if you're, like, an elite reliever. I, I just, we've gotten so far, I mean, just night and day. And at the lowest of the low, Keith Law ranked them 25th. And we've moved up two spots, adding Marcelo Meyer, developing Cassis, adding Miguel Blaise, and developing Sadan Rafaela. And you move them up two spots from that? It, yeah. That alone makes no sense. But one thing that he, like he says, like he said, he critiques the Red Sox for having a lack of pitching prospects. And I will be honest, the Red Sox have not gone after those pitching prospects. They haven't drafted any high school or college arms of note. And under Bloom's tenure. And there's a very clear reason for that. The Red Sox believe that those contact, the hit tool first, California shortstop that everyone loves to joke about around the draft time, they think that those guys have the highest percentage chance of succeeding. And for good reason. They, they really do succeed. I mean, Nick York in his first year was a top 100 prospect. Marcelo Meyer is a top 10 prospect in all of baseball. Uh, and Roman Anthony, or not Roman Anthony, I'm sorry. Um, Mikey Romero looks like he has the potential to be a top 100 prospect after his first season and full season ball. I mean, the success rate of these prospects that they have drafted has made sense. 
And if you are if you are Heim Bloom and you are the Red Sox and you need to get a farm system that has a lot of talent where it doesn't at the time that you take over, you want to take the highest percentage chance of guys available. And that's not high school or college arms. And what I really so, like about what like Heim Bloom's doing is if you look at the if you look at the best pitchers in our system, you look at Mata, Mata's signing bonus is international free agent and signed for twenty five thousand dollars. You look at Perales, Perales didn't break out until after he signed for the Red Sox. So even the best arms in our system aren't guys we drafted highly. They weren't the guys that we that we said, oh, we need to draft in the first round. These are guys that sort of kind of emerged. And I think that'll continue to happen. Like my personal bet for the next guy to emerge is Jackson Paez because he has the potential. He doesn't project super well right now, but if he puts a few more miles per hour on his pitches, he could potentially be one of those next breakout pitching prospects. And those guys aren't like maybe they're 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 obviously riskier but the guys there's just so many prospects available that we're capable of getting good pitching prospects without putting a ton of draft capital into that but yeah i just i think it's absurd to look at the organizational decision that Hank Bloom has made where you can get those guys for cheap like you're talking about you don't have to spend the draft capital to get them but you can get them for 10,000 25,000 100,000 in IFA money so why would you be getting those guys? The problem is that they're just too far out. In three years, if those guys develop, like Luis Perales develops like we think he can, it, I mean, you don't need to draft guys that, for like college arms that would look shiny now but aren't going to be as good as he is in the future. I just – it doesn't make any sense to critique them for that because they clearly, like you said, have gone to the international free agent pool for those kind of guys. It's just they haven't developed yet. I think that the, that, that ranking is poor, and I think that the other ranking Keith Law did is poor. I think that you agree. I just uh, – I don't agree. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's absurd. Like, I don't – of course, I think everyone has – like, he has the right to his opinion. He has the right to to maybe rank pitching prospects lower. My problem is the way it's presented and the way it gets received by the sort of a lot of Red Sox reporters is kind of you see it as a, as a way to – like hate on Heim Bloom for what he's done, because it's it's a lot of people just kind of have this weird perception that somehow the farm system is bad and that what all Heim done has made the farm system sort of worse, and then it's just this weird mix of kind of what he's actually done is kind of the opposite of that. He's just developed our farm system. We have a lot of great prospects. You got Rafaela. You got blood. You got like you got a ton of guys who have a ton of potential for great prospects in the system that weren't there before that are because of Heim Bloom. And then you also have this this perception that he isn't spending money. He's spending money. He's spending international free agent money. He spent a ton of money for Yoshida. He gave Devers a long-term contract. So the problem is these kind of rankings, they they affect the way people view the team and the way they affect they affect the way people view Heim. And it's really just a not a fair ranking because Heim obviously he has some flaws as a GM. He's or not even a GM, but in what he what he does, he has some flaws. That's undeniable. But it's really unproductive to critique him for things that he's doing well well at because he has built up the farm system. That's you can't critique him for making the farm system worse. But he just hasn't done that. Yeah, I totally agree. I I just like you said because it contributes to a lot of the disinformation that goes around the internet, especially the Red Sox Twitter. It, it, it pisses me off probably more than it should have. It's it's 
it's a list. He makes it every year and he'll continue to make it every year regardless of what I think about it. But yeah. it's just, it, it's, it's really frustrating to really care about the team and really put in like the effort to be informed and then watch someone like spread information that leads to other people being less informed, to be honest with you. I just, it's very frustrating. And I just, I wish he didn't, I wish he didn't post it at all. And if he does, mm-hmm. just make sure it's not terrible. <laughs> yeah, like you got to have someone who's more, who knows more about the Red Sox at the very least check over it and say, okay, this makes sense as a ranking or whatever. Because it's just, it's like, it's one guy trying to do too much. He's trying to do, do too much. And the Red Sox are a team that clearly shows you got to focus on something else. You got to focus on maybe top 100 prospects or whatever. But that's just, it's just too much for him. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I I really like this farm system. I mean, I see the vision. I definitely understand that uh, the 2019 draft really looks brutal in hindsight. And the 2020 draft is, other than Nick York and maybe Blaze Jordan, it's just there's not that much that could have been done because, you know, the whole the whole scouting system was messed up. I mean, I can – there's a lot of leeway with 2020, but it doesn't look good. Um, it, it, the next three years are – incredibly crucial for the future of this team because you have the Yankees who have those prospects. They have Volpe, they have Peraza, they have Dominguez, and they are close. And if those guys really pan out like some think they will, that they're going to be really set. They're going to have those young guys on, on their roster for cheap for a long time. The Orioles are in the same boat. The Blue Jays to a lesser extent – but this division is just so stacked with teams that will spend and have farm systems that are just obscene. I mean, the Red Sox just are so far behind on their game because of how much Dave Dombrowski would spend in prospect capital. But this farm system is is getting to the point where it needs to be for the Red Sox to be competitive, not just now, but 10 years from now. And I think that the guys like Marcella Meyer, Tristan Cassis, Miguel Blaise, are the kind of guys that we need to be competitive 10 years from now. Yeah. I, I really like that. Like just what you're saying is if you look at the, the Yankees have some guys, I'm not as, I'm not as high as on the Yankees farm system as some. And then obviously, I mean, I am pretty high in the Orioles. The Orioles got a lot of guys that can be great. You had Rushman come up this year and look phenomenal. And you're going to have a, a lot of guys coming out of the Baltimore system. But with the Red Sox, I really, I really see the vision and I, I like it. I, the top guys, you got Meyer, you got Casas, you got Blaise, Rafaela. Those guys are going to be coming up soon. But what I also really like about the system is there's a lot of breakout candidates. Like you got um, like Perales, I think is kind of in the midst of a breakout. You got Paez. You just got a ton of guys that I think have the potential to really break out and become great prospects. And I think that's what Jaime has been trying to do is like the prospects in the farm system, it's a lottery. You don't know what picks you're going to get. You don't really know. You don't know what players are going to turn out. This one international free agent sign that I love is Yolan Cespedes. And people were comping Yolan Cespedes to Howie Kendrick, which for a super young international free agent who has yet to play any professional baseball, comping him to a player is absolutely absurd. But what you need in the farm system is a lot of guys who have the potential to break out. And that's what Haim is doing is he's creating a place where with the proper development, with some guys working hard, it's going to look really, really good in the future. And he's going to continue to add a lot of talent and try to actually make this sustainable instead of 
going for the one year rebuild and then having it all fall apart after. Yeah, no, I agree. I just some guys that I want to highlight: Miguel Blaze, obviously, uh, Luis Perales, obviously. But one that I'm really high on is Nathan Hickey. Um, those three I really like. I think you should keep an eye on. Um, Blaze, probably a top 100 guy universally now. I don't. I think I've seen every list has him pretty ranked, pre- ranked pretty high. Um, but just want to keep an eye on going into Salem. Uh, Nathan Hickey, one going into Portland, I think. Yeah. And then Perales going into Salem. I think I think my my two guys, my two guys to watch this year, I'd go with Farley and Carnacion. What I really like about him is yes, he has a lot of potential. He's very young. But what I really like about Encarnacion is the sort of the off the field stuff. He's an, he's 18 years old and he's already getting praise for being a clubhouse leader, for working hard. And that's something, I mean, you absolutely love to hear about a guy who's mature enough to do those things at 18 years old. I definitely wasn't a clubhouse leader at 18 years old, so a lot of respect for him. And Jenickson Pius, he was the Red Sox 2021 Latin Program Pitcher of the Year, and I think he's going to start rising up boards. He's, his command is like a, his command is past where it should be at his age right now, and it's, I think his speed is going to sort of going to come there. The velocity is going to come too. It's sort of started to do that and maybe could do it more. And so there's guys like that that I think really just have a chance to break out and really make this sort of farm system an undeniably great one in the future. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And it's just keep you keep positive. I mean, we are the world's first positive Red Sox podcast. But yeah. keep positive. The farm looks really good. It's certainly not the 23rd best in the baseball. Yeah, that's, that's the thing is, like if you look at prospects, there's so many guys to get excited about. And that's kind of that's again what we sort of wanted to change in the way we talk about this is a lot of people have been talking about the farm system as just bad, but there's a ton of guys who are ready to play baseball, are ready to work hard, and they're gonna be a pleasure to watch at every single level. So just get excited, find your guy, find your top prospect, find your breakout candidate, and enjoy watching this this Red Sox team and all of their minor league teams. Yeah, no, I definitely agree, especially with the way the team's run. Just you have to keep an eye on the farm, of course. All right, well, that'll conclude the third episode of the Sox in the City podcast. We're probably going to take a little bit of a hiatus unless there's a major move just because it's February. Baseball's moving really slow. Uh, We'll see you guys soon, though.